You're listening to the Morphology Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Morphology Podcast. Hey, if you haven't yet, please subscribe to this podcast and give it a thumbs up if it's deserving. It helps me out a lot. Anyway, aka Murph here to share interviews about biking experiences from cyclists who have pedaled to places all over. Each week we will get to know new people and explore new destinations to ride your bike. And as you listen to these adventures, you may wonder, why haven't I done that yet? On the show today, we have the trail manager for the South Dakota Mickelson Trail, which has been a bucket list trail for me for quite a while. This rails-to-trail crushed limestone trail spans over 100 miles through the heart of the Black Hills. With four rock tunnels and over 100 bridges, this trail is open year-round to hikers, bikers, and horseback riders. Dana Gary Rypridge is the trail manager for the Mickelson Trail and is on to tell us more about all the Mickelson Trail has to offer. All right, well, on the show today, we have Dana. Hey, Dana. Hey. Happy to have you on the podcast. I, this is crazy, but quite a few people have either emailed me or talked on previous episodes about South Dakota and specifically the Mickelson Trail. So that is why you are on the show today. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much for having me here. Well, before we get into talking specifically about the Mickelson Trail and all that it has to offer, do you want to maybe tell us where you live and if there's a cycling culture or what cycling is like there? Well, you know, I live in the Black Hills of South Dakota, more specifically closer to Rapid City area. Mm -hmm. But the Mickelson Trail is right through the center of the Black Hills. So bicycling is huge out here. Sure. It's getting much better, and people are getting a lot more friendly about letting the bicycles on the road as our shoulders get a little bit wider. Mm. So depending on where you want to go, you're going to find either really wide shoulders or no shoulders, which is why we really like the Mickelson Trail. Sure. And I'm going to guess it's not flat in South Dakota. Well, depends on which side of the state you're on. <laughs> My side of the state, the west side with the Black Hills, is definitely not flat. Right. But the Mickelson Trail is a 4% grade, thanks to the railroad. Nice. So it's not a terrible up and down. Right, right. And I was in South Dakota in the Black Hills, but I was six months old. So all I have to go by are photographs of myself in front of, you know, cool monuments and things. So I really can't say that I know anything about South Dakota. South Dakota is absolutely beautiful. Nice. You got to come back and check it out. Yeah, I was going to say it's definitely on my bucket list. So um, so you work in some sort of capacity that you have responsibilities that are associated with the Mickelson Trail. Is that true? Yes, it is. I am the trail manager of the Mickelson Trail for the state of South Dakota Game Fish and Parks. Nice. So let's, do you want to get into what the actual trail is all about? Absolutely. Awesome. It's way more interesting than my job. (laughs) Well, what is, like, what do you do as a trail manager? As the trail manager, I oversee everything from events to projects to budgets to employees Mm. to landowners to bridge maintenance and tunnel maintenance. And I clean bathrooms regularly. I mow. 
Wow. You name it, I do it. I'm kind of a glorified custodian in a lot of ways. <laughs> well, it also sounds like a lot of responsibility. It is, but it's also a lot of fun. Sure, sure. And, you know, I didn't even ask you at the beginning, but are you a cyclist as well? When I can get out. Yeah. Yes, I do enjoy cycling. Yeah, awesome. Um, so Mickelson Trail, you did allude to it. It used to be a rail trail, and now it's actually a trail for, I'm assuming, pedestrians and bikes and all that good stuff. Give us some highlights of what it is. I know it's over 100 miles, but beyond that, I don't know much. So the George S. Mickelson Trail is a 109-mile mm. hiking, biking, and horseback riding trail. Oh. It's a non-motorized trail. Mm-hmm. So it is on an old rail bed, and it is a rail-to-trail uh, trail mm-hmm. for the Conservancy. I think we actually took number 25 out of 50 or somewhere in there when they did their top 50 trails a couple of years ago. Oh, okay. And what about a little bit about the history? So the cool history about the railroad end of things is that in 1892, when they started building the railroad from Edgemont to Deadwood, they actually started at both ends. Mm. And they completed 109 miles in 1892-93 in 292 days with about 3,500 people. Wow. So that is, you know, think back, we're over 100 years ago. We didn't have all of the tools that we have now. Most of it was done with pickaxes and dynamite. Mm. And then they have what's called a Julian crane, which is looks like a big crane on a railroad bed. But those were not heavily utilized out here because it took so much to get them out here. Mm. Interesting. And so, is the, let's go back to when it was a railroad, is it going from community to community or is it out in the middle of nowhere? It does go from community to community. Mm-hmm. So when you're on the trail today, the big communities that you'll come through are Edgemont, uh, Pringle, which is very small, then Custer, Hill City, and then up to Leed and Deadwood. But you have several ghost towns in between those places also that you get to see. Mm, awesome. And tell us, like, do you have any history on the transformation from going, you know, railroad to now trail? Oh, sure. (laughs) So in 1983, it just wasn't profitable anymore for the railroad to run up here. Um, A lot more equipment was being moved by truck, Mm -hmm. and it was just a lot easier once the roads had been improved. So the railroad quit running, did its last run in, I think it was March of 1983. From that point, it just sat vacant. In the late 80s, a group of folks decided that This old railroad grade was amazing for mountain biking on. Mm. And they got together with the legislatures, stopped a salvage company from tearing down the bridges on the trail. Now, there's 125 trestle bridges on this trail. And they stopped the salvage company from tearing down the bridges, and they were able to get the legislature and the governor at the time to buy into what is now the Mickelson Trail. So as you can guess, it was Governor Mickelson that was the original supporter of the trail. And over the course of the next 15 years, they were able to build the trail as it is today. So I would put that in the category of relatively new. I mean, if if it was probably in the early 90s that it became a trail or, or late 80s? 
Well, the work started on it in the late 80s. It didn't officially open Mm -hmm. in its current capacity until 1998. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's a 24-year-old trail. Interesting. And I'm always curious about this because I pedal on a lot of rail trails. And I actually, the one that here in my hometown of Cedar Rapids, the railroad is still there. The trail is just like 20 feet away from it. So as you're pedaling, you can still see uh, some of the uh, poles and some of the actual rails. What happened with the Mickelson Trail? Well, most with the salvage contract in the early to mid 80s, mm-hmm. uh, they went through and they pulled most of the rails and most of the ties. Mm, okay. So what we have is a very nice surface that we put a crushed limestone over the top of the larger red rock that you typically see. Okay. Oh, so- it's a ballast rock. So, yeah, we were able to utilize that and then remove a lot of the rails mm-hmm. and the ties, like I said, were previously removed. Mm-hmm. And then in the process of working on all of this, we were also able to resurface all of the bridges. So instead of having the railroad ties with the 18-inch gaps between them, it's, I'm not going to say a smooth surface, but it's a continuous surface sure. now. <laughs> so you can, you can pedal over it without falling through. Correct. We're working on the smooth part, but we're really happy with continuous most of the time. Oh, nice. Well, do you want to get a little bit further into terrain? You know, you mentioned uh, crushed limestone and you mentioned bridges, but can you kind of give the listeners a feel of what they'll see if they are riding their bike 100 plus miles on this trail? Well, if you're starting in Edgemont, which is at the south end, and technically mile zero for our counting purposes, and we have used the old railroad uh, mile markers and their mile count from point to point. Mm. So you'll see reproductions of things along the trail, mostly the mile markers. Uh, But you'll also see once in a while a concrete fence post. Mm. And those are the right-of-way markers for the uh, Mickelson Trail and the railroad right-of-way for what it was, you know, 140-ish years ago. So that's really cool. And then you get into this terrain, and as you're leaving Edgemont, you're in a short grass prairie, which doesn't look like a whole lot, and then you cut away from the road, and it opens up into this beautiful rock canyon. Mm. You're never going to see it unless you're on the trail. Just the lay of the land through there. Nice. And then as you're working your way north towards Custer, you're getting into a little bit more of a taller grass prairie, and once you get north of Hill City you're into a beautiful pine forest. And you get to stay in that all the way up to the lead Deadwood area. And I would guess there are camping opportunities or campgrounds or something if people are trying to, you know, do a continuous let's bike the whole thing? Well, the trail itself does not host any specific campgrounds along it. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of privately owned campgrounds and public campgrounds. There's a forest service campground between Hill City and Custer. Mm. And then there's many, many private campgrounds along the way. Or as you get into the northern end of the trail, there's a lot of forest service. Mm. So as long as you're out of the trail right away and not at any of the trailheads, then you're welcome to camp in the forest as long as you dry camp. Mm -hmm. Wow. I love that there's multiple types of terrain and types of things that to see. And Oh, yes. Yes, lots and lots of nature, lots of wildlife. We have everything from the little ground squirrels to a yellow-bellied marmot, which is also known as a rock chuck around here. Mm. 
kind of in the beaver family, only it's got a rat tail instead of a beaver tail. Mm. It's probably the easiest way to explain those guys. We've got the blue herons. We've got ducks, geese, songbirds, turkeys, deer. Um, we do have mountain lions, but they don't like people. We're a little too gamey for their taste, so they tend to stay away from us. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I have seen mountain lions along the trail, and they have absolutely no interest. Oh, that's... They can catch a deer a lot quicker than they get to catch a person. <laughs> and then I'm assuming, since you're naming off a lot of these, you know, birds, that there are also water sources of some sort? You know, during the summer at the trailheads, we do have potable water, mm-hmm. and it's a cistern that we fill up every week and check for chlorination and for uh, purity of that water. Um, If you're on the shoulder seasons and through the winter, you need to bring your own purification kit. Mm -hmm. But there are streams along the way that you can get water from if you like doing that kind of thing. Sure, sure. And then you, you know, you listed off some of the towns. Do you want to talk a little bit more about what you mean by ghost town? A quick interruption to give a shout out to Primal Wear. Cycling is their passion and apparel is their craft. So if you are in the market for a New Jersey, bibs, mask, or any cycling apparel, go to primalwear.com and use code PRIMALMURF to get 20% off your purchase. Yes, 20%. Now back to the show. Well, we have three very small towns or non-existent towns. Mm. So when the railroad ran, it was the main artery through the Black Hills. And the Black Hills was known mainly for gold, but secondly for the lumber industry and the logging industries. Mm -hmm. So we have some towns that say Nahant is one of them that no longer exists. But at the turn of the 19th century, it had everything from a grocery store to a bank to a hotel to a roller rink. And then within about 30 years, everything closed because they couldn't, uh, the logging industry had taken a dive at that point. Mm. But then we have Rochford, super cute community. It's got a year-round population of about nine people. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) But in the summer, it's got a great little saloon called the Moonshine Gulch Hmm. and a little eclectic store called the Rochford Mall. And people will stop in Rochford and have ice cream or have a beer at the saloon, mm-hmm. grab something to eat, and continue pedaling to wherever their overnight destination is going to be. I love it already. Good time. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Lots of stuff to see. And that's not even counting the four hard rock tunnels that we've got out here. Yeah. Talk about the tunnels. Or you said uh, over 100 bridges, and then um, I'm assuming tunnels exist as well. Yes. Yes. For the railroad to come through... They don't go up and over mountains. They go through mountains. Mm. So we have four hard rock tunnels that were originally dug or excavated with TNT and pickaxes and a lot of donkeys pulling out the debris. Wow. But they're still in use on the trail today, and they're maintained, and they're awesome on hot days because you go into them, and it's about 30 degrees cooler (laughs) in the tunnel than it is out in the sun on the trail. So they're a nice little place to stop and have a water break. Nice. And are these tunnels that are long enough that you need to have lights on your bike? No, you don't need lights on your bike, but I highly recommend taking your sunglasses off before you try to go in (laughs) and then stay in the center of the tunnel because there are drop-offs on both sides for drainage purposes. Oh, sure. Okay. So when you're out and about on the Mickelson Trail, whether you're, you know, I don't know if you're 
making sure people are doing the right thing on the trail or you're just checking out things that need to be changed. What do you love about the Mickelson Trail? I love the people. Oh, yeah. It's so much fun to get out there and just visit with folks that are using the trail to find out where they're from, you know, what their thoughts are on the trail, Mm -hmm. what they're excited to see, what they haven't seen. Um, You know, give them a little bit of history of the trail, which makes them enjoy it even more, Mm -hmm. uh, or help them fix a broken brake or a flat tire or (laughs) any of that kind of stuff. I do have uh, folks that go out on the trail during the summer, and that is their main job is to visit with everybody and make sure everyone's okay. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a count of, you know, is it hundreds or thousands of people that come visit this trail? Uh, You know, we do have a pass system and we do have trail counters out there Mm. that will click off every time this infrared line is broken. So we say there's, you know, somewhere between 60 and 70,000 users annually. Oh, that's great. That's impressive. We're still hidden out in the hills. So you can be out riding and you may not run into anybody until you hit a trailhead. Mm -hmm. So you feel like you're in the middle of nowhere. And then there's people. And then you're in the middle of the nowhere. <laughs> and so with that said, does that mean, you know, let's say a family's going to go, are there different trailhead opportunities that they could park their car and start a bike ride and return to their car? Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. We have 16 trailheads and they're anywhere from 5 to 16 miles apart. Mm. And once you get on the trail, you're typically on until you get to the next trailhead, but between some of them, uh, we do have other access points. And if anyone has questions or needs specifics, I can definitely answer those questions on a one-to-one. Awesome. <laughs> at any time. Sure, sure. But, yeah. You know, now is a good time to maybe give some highlights of rules and regulations. Like, I don't know if it's you have to have a permit to be on the trail or if there's, you know, a curfew. Do you want to get into that a little bit? Sure. Uh, We do have a permit system on the trail, Mm -hmm. and it is $4 per person per day or $15 per person per year Mm. to use the Mickelson Trail. And this is for 12-year-olds and older need to have those passes. 11 and under can ride as much as they want at no cost. Mm, Okay. So that's fun. And then the trail, because we do go through communities, we say the trail is open from a half an hour before sunrise until a half an hour after sunset. Mm Mm-hmm. And that just gives the communities and those folks that live along the trail a little bit of me time. Sure. So they don't always have somebody coming right by them. Sure. And if Uh, you, oh, go ahead. Let me say we also, you know, I mentioned earlier we have horses. It's a multi-use trail. So along with that, you know, bicycles have to yield to the pedestrians and then everybody has to yield to the horses. Mm -hmm. That way everybody stays safe while we're out there. Sure. It's a lot of fun, but you got to remember what the horses, you know, they see out of the corners of their face. They don't look at you straight on. So you kind of need to start talking to them as you're coming up, either from the front or from the back, so that the riders know that there's somebody coming. We don't, it's not cool when you just whiz right by those horses because it can really spook the horses. Sure, that makes sense, yeah. And if somebody wants to get a permit, do they have to come to a specific office or is it something simple they can do online? Oh, super simple. They can go online and just search for the Mickelson Trail Mm -hmm. on Google because that's the easiest forum I found. And then you can go to purchase your pass online Mm -hmm. or you can get it at any one of the trailheads. Like a self-serve? Yep, self-serve trailheads. 
Oh, very good. Very good. So next magic question is, what is the weather like on the Mickelson Trail? Do you have four seasons or is it always 35 degrees and almost snowing? We have four seasons in one day. How's that for an answer? (laughs) (laughs) So typically, which mind you, South Dakota is never typical, and especially in the Black Hills. But typically during the summer, and we're going to call summer for this purpose, June through the end of August, you're looking at 70 to 80 degrees during the day Mm. in the higher elevations and 80 to 90 degrees in the lower elevations. And then you're looking right around 40s to 50s in the higher elevation overnight and 60s to 70s overnight in the lower elevations. Mm. But with that being said, we get hail. We get random afternoon thunderstorms. We get lots of wind. Um, Typical doesn't work a lot out here. We've had snow in every season. Mm. We're still trying to get the snow off the trail right now, and we're into the (laughs) end of April already. And I still have drifts that are four and five feet deep. No way. (laughs) Seriously, can't make this up. Oh, my gosh. And I guess that was my next question. Do you groom the trail, or can cross-country skiers use it in the winter? Both. Oh, nice. So, <laughs> we groom the trail during the summer, uh, and we use trucks on the trail, even though it's a non-motorized trail, but it's the only way we can get the work done in a timely manner. Mm-hmm. So we have a trailer that goes behind a truck, and it will smooth and grade the surface for us, which is great. In the winter, mm-hmm. uh, we will gr- uh, groom sections of the Mickelson for the fat tire bikes mm. and for uh, cross-country skiers. They have to lay their own tracks. Mm-hmm. but we'll get it at least smooth for them. And then we also do a lot with snowshoeing. So at my office in the winter, I've got a hundred and I think it's 50 pairs of snowshoes now that we oh. just check out. It's not a rental. It's just a checkout. I need name, address, and phone number. And you can have as many pairs of snowshoes at no cost oh, as you would wow. like to use for a weekend. And what? where are you located? I know you're at mile zero, but what town or city are you in? Actually, I'm closer to mile 108. Oh, you are? Okay. Yep. My office is in Leeds, South Dakota, which is at the northern end of the trail, mm-hmm. and we're found off of Nevada Gulch. So if you go from the Mickelson Trail up the hill, Nevada Gulch, past my office, there's actually a ski resort at the top of the hill. Oh, nice. A quick interruption to tell you this week's podcast is sponsored by Lizard Lips Lip Balm. These great lip balms contain natural ingredients, come in a variety of flavors, and you can choose certified organic or balms with sun protection. Check it out at lizardlips.net. Now back to the show. So it sounds like people can come people can come on the Mickelson Trail any time of the year, whether they want to bring their fat bike in the winter, snowshoeing, walking bring the horses, all of that good stuff. Um, so they can come anytime, you know, do their permit either online or at a trailhead. Um, what about, like, do you ever have actual events? Oh, yes, we have lots of events. Some of them are done through the state and through my office, so we're in charge mm. of them. And mm. a lot of them are put on by private individuals. Mm-hmm. So the ones that I personally oversee are the Mickelson Trail Summer Trek, which this year will be its first run. Last year was supposed to be the first run, but everybody knows how 2020 didn't go anywhere. (laughs) Right. So we're doing everything take two this year. (laughs) This is our first annual take two (laughs) of the summer trek, and that will be the middle of June, the 15th through the 17th. And then we also have something very similar to it called the 
Mickelson Trail Trek, which this year is going to be the 23rd annual Mickelson Trail Trek, which happens oh. in September. Wow. And we cap both of those rides at 600 participants. Mm. The summer trek is at about 250 right now, but mm, we've okay. already maxed out. We max out in December of every year for our September ride, and within so, hours, not within days. I was going to say, so it's definitely a crowd pleaser. It is, yes. That's why we've gone to a June one also, to try to get more people out there. Nice. So you've got 600 people registered. What would a typical rider look forward to? Like mileage, where are they staying? Is there food provided? So we break, these rides are both broken into three days. Okay. So on the first day of both of the rides, the riders will go from Custer to Edgemont. They will have two snacks and a meal on that day. And then shuttling and everything else is all included. Mm-hmm. And that just takes a long time to explain all of the uh, shuttling stuff behind it. Um, but then you stay in Custer for usually the first two nights. So then on the second day, you would ride from Custer to Rochford. And then we keep your bikes in Rochford. And on that day, it's again, two snacks and a meal and a band. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, we have live entertainment. We're uptown nice. here. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> and that day is about 35-mile ride. The first day is a 45-mile ride. The second day is a 35-mile ride. And on the third day, we go from Rochford to Deadwood, which is 25 miles, and it's, again, two snacks and a meal. So a lot of our participants will say it's the only bike ride you can gain weight on. (laughs) That's awesome. We have lots of fun. We get everybody from all walks of life. Uh, We open it up to 14-year-olds and older Mm -hmm. uh, with the understanding that all the minors have to stay with whoever their guardian is, whether it's their parents, their grandparents, their aunts and uncles. Um, just so everybody stays safe. And then we have outriders and medics and shuttles and all of that fun stuff. So we haven't lost anybody anywhere. Everybody makes <laughs> it to the end. That's perfect. <laughs> and then do they stay in hotels or camp? You can do whatever you want, but most people prefer a motel or a hotel with a hot tub by the end oh, of the day. There you go. Yeah, that's awesome. So is there a specific website or can you just Google... Mickelson Trail Summer Trek or Mickelson Trail Trek? If you go to the Mickelson Trail website and go about halfway down the page, there are tabs for both of those events, and underneath them it says register here. And I will tell you the summer event, the uh, Summer Trail Trek, does close on May 1st. So we're hitting the end of that registration period. Oh, sure, yeah. you got to have a couple weeks to get everybody online and get them going in the right direction for food and merchandise and all that. Mm-hmm. I'd say those are the two big bicycle events that we do. And then, like you said, there's plenty of other private events. Um, I know I interviewed a charter company that does uh, Ragbri, which is the bicycle ride here in Iowa, and they are starting to do some bike rides along the Mickelson Trail as well with their charter service. Yep. Yeah, we have several of those groups that are starting up starting up those uh, specific rides. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that are going to be coming out here. I think I've got four of them on the books this year, and those four companies all have at least two events apiece over multiple days that will be out here. But then we also host running events. We've got two major marathons that happen on the Mickelson Trail, the Deadwood Mickelson Trail Marathon and the Run Crazy Horse Marathon. We also host a ultra marathon called the Lean Horse Marathon. We have gravel grinders. We have snow bike races. We do veterans events. They've got the Veterans March and Mission 22 
that are both Ooh. the veteran-related events that come out, and they utilize the trail. Wow. So we have, I'm, trying, I'm trying to envision a marathon on a flat rail to trail. Whew, that would take a lot of mental strength. <laughs> it's beautiful. The scenery takes away from the fact that you have to run 26.2 yeah. <laughs> miles. <laughs> yes, you are so right on that. <laughs> So, and then we do have a very, very specialized event that happens five times a year on the Mickelson Trail. Mm. And it is called the Trolley on the Trail. And it's exactly what it sounds like. We actually take one of the local trolleys that they use in the Deadwood area as a local bus, and we put it on the Mickelson Trail. And we load it up with people that have mobility issues oh, and okay. disabilities that don't allow them to get out on the Mickelson Trail, whether it's mobility or visual balance health issues, any of those things, we will put them on this trolley and they will get a tour of the trail and we do about mm -hmm. 15 miles on any one of the rides and they get a talking history of the trail as we wow. go down. That's impressive. So even though we say the Mickelson Trail is technically handicap accessible, there are still some folks that cannot get out mm -hmm. and this is our answer to that problem. Right. And, you know, you mentioned um, non-motorized, except for obvious exceptions that you've listed, you know, more of staff kind of deals. Um, what about e-bikes? We do allow e-bikes. Oh, okay. The key here is that they have to be pedal assist e-bikes. So in sure. order for that assist to work, you have to pedal. There's no Wicked Witch of the Westing it up the trail with no pedaling and passing everybody. Right. That's no go. <laughs> That's a moped. <laughs> right, exactly. And of course, you know, a lot of people that use e-bikes, especially pedal assist e-bikes, are maybe people that if they didn't have the e-bike, they wouldn't be able to join the group or the family. So it's definitely a plus to be able to offer that. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, we allow the electric wheelchairs out there also. And the small scooters are the only other exceptions to the non-motorized rule. Mm-hmm. The trolley option that you mentioned earlier, is that something that people can register for or is it invite only? You do have to register for it. It's a pre-registration mm -hmm. process and it's a group event. So our registration, we run uh, five times a year, but mm -hmm. we run it out of two locations. We have three rides that start in Deadwood and two rides that start in Hill City. So the folks that want on the Deadwood trolley... Uh, they call Neighborhood Housing in Deadwood, and they run all of our registration. And the folks mm. that want on the Hill City trolley just call the Hill City Chamber, and they'll run the registration. And like I said, we go down, we give a history of the trail, we have snacks, we have potty stops, we have water. It's just a nice day. Excellent. You know, I was wondering, when you're on the Mickelson Trail, are you near some of the, you know, really cool, popular places that people always want to go when they come to South Dakota? We have a few of them that you can access super easy from the Mickelson. Mm. Uh, Crazy Horse Monument, mm -hmm. the trail actually goes right under its driveway. No way. So you can hop off and go up to the monument and check out the museums, have lunch, um, get the history of Crazy Horse and the story behind it. Wow. Uh, Mount Rushmore is only about 12 miles off the trail. Oh. But I really wouldn't recommend biking up there just because Highway 244 is super windy and narrow, mm. and there's just not a lot for shoulders, mm -hmm. but it's a great day trip in a vehicle. Sure. Well, yeah, if people are on the trail and they have their vehicle, they can do a little bit of both. Oh, yeah. And the Badlands. Mm. Uh, you come right past the Badlands on the interstate if you're coming from east to west, and that makes a great day trip, and it's got some 
beautiful scenery, and it's good for biking out there, too. They've got some pretty decent roads. Excellent. You know, I don't recall if we mentioned it at the beginning, but is the Mickelson Trail um, funded by donations or by the city, the state? Is it something that people can donate to? Uh, All of the above. Um, Okay. (laughs) So the Mickelson Trail is managed by the state of South Dakota Game Fish and Parks. So we do have a budget through the state. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have a friends group. It's called the Parks and Wildlife Foundation, and they manage all of our donations. So if anyone wants to donate to the trail, mm-hmm. then that's where we would direct them. Uh, and then we also have the fee structure, the $4 and the $15, and that also helps us fund the trail. We sure. run on grants, and we also run on matching grants, full grants and matching grants, in order to get uh, projects done. Excellent. And, you know, the fact that you are grooming the trail multiple times a year uh, is fabulous for someone like me who, like, if I go on a bike ride like that, it's probably on my touring bike, which is weighted down with all my junk. And, you know, having to avoid big ruts from, you know, rainstorms, sometimes is a little bit more of a challenge. So it's nice to know at least a couple times a year, somebody has eyes on that trail, and they're making it the best it can be. Oh, absolutely. And for the best riding experience, you know, I highly recommend either a hybrid or a mountain bike, just something mm-hmm. with a little bit thicker tire and a little bit more grip because we are talking a crushed limestone, mm-hmm. which when it's placed and packed and we've had moisture, it rides like asphalt. But as the summer wears on and things start to dry out, in some areas it can ride more like sand, Sure, which is kind of the downside to it. Sure. Well, awesome. Any other entities or things that you maybe want to promote about the Mickelson Trail? You know, we have a great working network with everybody along the trail. All of the communities are super supportive. Mm. Uh, The trail today would not be what it is without everybody's support. And a huge shout out to the National Guard, because without them, the initial phases of building of the trail never would have happened, because they're the ones that went through and did a lot of the work on the bridges. Mm -hmm. You know, the Forest Service, Sometimes they're not looked upon so highly, but they were huge in the process of development also. And they're the ones that helped um, look over the tunnels initially and look over at the bridges. And we still have a great working relationship with them to this day. Excellent. Well, I am for sure... Well, it's been on my bucket list for a while to come to the Mickelson Trail, but now I'm even more giddy about it and may have to look into a trip later this year. You know, in all reality, we're really not that far away. Yeah, I know. I saw that. Well, I know if you can, you can just Google Mickelson Trail, but do you have a specific website that you'd want people to go to? Like I see bikemickelson.com, but I don't know if that's run by your organization. Nope, that one is not it. The best website to use is going to be www.mickelsontrail.com, and that's M I. C-K-E-L-S-O-N trail.com. Excellent. Well, Dana, thank you so much for coming on the show to talk about the Mickelson Trail. And hopefully uh, your phone's going to be ringing off the hook after we post this episode because people are going to want to have questions and find out more. Well, wonderful. We'll be looking forward to it. And it promises to be a wonderful summer. Awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a wonderful day. 
Well, listeners, that's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to listen. Now, who wants to go on a bicycle adventure in South Dakota with me? Thanks to Dana for taking the time to talk about all that the Mickelson Trail has to offer. She has a dream job, doesn't she? And like she mentioned, the website is www.mickelsontrail.com and is loaded with information about the trail itself, as well as the communities the trail goes through. Events are listed as well. You can also donate to the Mickelson Trail efforts at parkswildlifefoundation.org. Oh, and a shout out to listener Bernie from Colorado Springs for reaching out to tell me about the Mickelson Trail Summer Trek, Mickelson Trail Trek, and Dana's contact info. Thanks, Bernie. So if you have a topic or the name of a cyclist you find interesting, email me at morphologypodcast at gmail.com. Visit my Instagram page for daily entertainment and check out the Morphology YouTube page to find videos of some of the places I go with my bike. For now, I will leave you with this quote from the unwritten book of Morphology. This quote comes from Ben Stukesbury. A perfect gift for anyone that loves the outdoors is inviting them out on an adventure. Think about it. Thank you.